Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. We're going to be reading verses 11 through 22, and then I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to jump over to chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, and Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Don't be embarrassed if you've got a hard Bible and you don't know where to find that. Ask somebody next to you. I think they'll help you. If you've got a digital Bible, I think that you'll probably be able to find it that way. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Follow along as I read from Scripture aloud here this morning. Ephesians 2, 11, it says this, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Look over at chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. It says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is the word of the Lord this morning. We've been going through a series the last several weeks, Karis just alluded to it. This series is called The Gospel, The Good News of Jesus Christ Plus Nothing. You see a mathematical symbol there, nothing, because we believe that anything added to an equation changes the outcome of that equation, and, and the apostles were clear in the New Testament. Anything added to the equation of what Jesus has done for humanity to rescue sinners changes the very message of the gospel, changes the means through which we can be reconciled to God. And so what we are seeing, we saw it in Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 35, there was a a great meeting, a very significant council that gathered together of the apostles. Paul and Barnabas had just come back from a long journey preaching the good news about Jesus Christ all throughout the Gentile world in Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. They came back and there were some that were saying, it's not enough though. 
It's nice that you're preaching the good news about Jesus, but you need to also instruct the Gentiles, the non-Jews. You need to instruct them to observe the ordinances and the commands of the law of Moses. And Paul and Barnabas said, no way. We're having none of that. And this council was convened in Jerusalem, and the decision came down. Peter dropped the mic. The last words we see in, in, in Acts, he says, we believe that a person is saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus, plus nothing, my paraphrase there, plus nothing. And so that's our series, The Gospel Plus Nothing. The gospel alone, we believe, because the scriptures teach it, the gospel alone can address the deepest parts of our brokenness and our sin and our rebellion and the wrath and anger of God and punishment of God that we deserve, friends, because of our sin. And so we've been taking a journey the last several weeks, and we've been examining some of the writings of the Apostle Paul, how he worked this truth out, the gospel plus nothing. Several weeks ago, we saw that, that our brokenness before God, our relationship to God, which is the primary need that each and every single one of us need to have addressed, was addressed through the gospel. We saw in Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 31, that the gospel plus nothing justifies us or declares us to be right before God by faith. When someone believes in Jesus, they are declared right by God and in a perfect relationship with him forever. That's good news. That is good news. Last week, though, we saw that not only does the gospel address our need before God, but it also heals the brokenness in myself. We saw that the gospel plus nothing liberates us. We saw that from Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 26, and Paul says over and over again, you're not going to fix your sin problem, your moral problem in yourself by being enslaved to the law, but instead walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the sinful desires of the flesh. So we're seeing that this gospel plus nothing equation, it, it heals the brokenness before God. It heals the, the brokenness that I feel in myself. It liberates me from my sinful passions. But what about with one another? How does the gospel address the relationships that we have with one another? Specifically, how does it deliver us from the brokenness that I feel even when I'm encountering others, especially those who don't look like me, who don't think like me? Maybe come from a place where their language isn't the same language that I speak. How does the gospel address the division and the barrier sometimes that I feel with others who are not like me? On April 17th, 1960, during an interview on Meet the Press, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, I think it's one of the great tragedies of our nation, one of the shameful, shameful tragedies that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is one of the most segregated hours, if not the most segregated hours in Christian America. I definitely think the Christian church should be integrated and any church that stands against integration and has a segregated body is standing against the Spirit and the teaching of Jesus Christ, and it fails to be a true witness. This was 60 years ago. Fast forward to 2023. How are we doing today, right? Now, I, I saw this study from Public Religion Research Institute just from last year. It says this, about 75% of white Protestants, which are Christians who are not Catholic, said that most of the people in their congregation are white. So white Protestants say most of the people in the congregation where they worship are white. About 74% of black Protestants said that most of the people in their congregation are black. 
And whatever the reason may be, we're still seeing that white and black Protestants are worshiping primarily in churches filled with people who look mostly like themselves. Now, we see that that trend is a little bit different. Mega churches, which are churches that are 2,000 people or more, they, they seem to break that trend a little bit, but, but most churches in America are not mega churches. I, I, I so appreciate what Dr. King said 63 years ago. It hinders Christian witness if 11 o'clock is one of the most segregated hours in, in Christian America. It should not be this way, friends. What about us? What about us here in, in our family here today? Because that's really, I can't control what churches are doing all over. I can here, right? I could start with me, right? What about us? If the gospel plus nothing truth from Scripture is good enough to make us right with God and it liberates us from slavery to our sinful flesh, does it have anything to say about bringing people together who may look differently, think differently, and feel differently than you? I believe it does. And that's what we see from our text here today. This is our big idea today. The gospel plus nothing makes us one. The gospel plus nothing makes us one. The good news about Jesus plus nothing else has the power and the guidance and the resources to take two people who are so different and bring them together and say, we are one. We are together. We are united in this cause because the gospel of Jesus is more powerful than anything on this planet that you can find. What was this situation for the Ephesians that we read about just a few moments ago? Well, the, the issue was this, was that there were Gentiles that were being brought into fellowship. You see, Christianity started out as a, as a, a group or a sect from Judaism. They believed that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah that was promised to Israel in the Hebrew Scriptures, which is what we, what we call the Old Testament. But this idea in their minds, although it was alluded to all throughout the Old Testament, it still didn't quite compute with them that Gentiles would be brought in through this Messiah, Jesus, just as they were made right with God through faith in Jesus alone. And so these Gentiles were coming in, and, and the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10, he says, I want you to all to know, Jews and Gentiles, when you were born, you weren't born right with God. You need to know this, all of us were born dead in our trespasses and sins spiritually but God who is rich in mercy made us alive together with Christ and he says it's by grace a free gift of God that you've been saved through faith and this isn't from yourselves it's the gift of God not of human works so that no one Jew or Gentile may boast so he addresses the the Gentiles here in, in verse 11 he says I want you to remember though where you came from Remember this so that you realize the privilege and the grace that's been given to you. Now, here in the United States of America, I look around this room and you can look at me. Many of us are Gentiles, right? This applies to us. Remember how far you came from and recognize that it's the gospel plus nothing that makes us one. We'll see this three ways. First of all, we'll see that we were far away, but Jesus brought us near. Secondly, we were two, but Jesus made us one. And thirdly, we were strangers, but Jesus made us family. Let's look at the first way. First, we were far away, but Jesus brought us near. He says that you were once considered the uncircumcision, right? What was circumcision? I know this is kind of weird medically, right? But think about it. Circumcision was the, the sign in the flesh 
of a, of a Jew that they were a part of God's family. God called Abraham. He says, you're going to be my special people. I'm going to bless the nations through you. And because I've chosen you, I want you to have a sign in your flesh that you belong to me. And that sign was circumcision. But he says, those that are circumcised, the Jews, they look upon the Gentiles and say, you're the uncircumcision. You're outsiders. You have a sign in your flesh that you're not one of us. He says this, remember and don't forget where you came from, that you are separated you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You weren't a part of this group of people that God chose and redeemed out of Egypt. You were far away. He didn't give you the covenants of Abraham. He didn't give you the covenant of, of Moses that he would put you in a land and bless you in that promised land. He didn't give you Gentiles this promise of a king from, from David <coughs> that would be king over all the earth. Those blessings and those promises came to the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of promise. And because of that, you were without hope. You had no hope. You were without God in this world. You see, what God had promised to the, to the people of Israel was that he was not just going to restore their fortunes, but he was going to restore the whole world through the nation of Israel. But without Messiah, without the promise, without the covenants, as Gentiles, we were shut out. No hope without God. We were far away. But the gospel says, though you were far away, you've been brought near. He says, in Christ Jesus, you were far, but you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Think about that sacrifice that was made by Jesus on the cross. Imagine on that cross what Jesus is signifying to you and to me. If you're a Gentile here today, a non-Jew is to say, Matthew, I love you. You are far away from me. You were born in trespasses and sins, but I'm going to bring you in and you're going to get close by what I'm doing right here on the cross. Shedding blood for your sins dying as the penalty and payment for what you've done. I don't know if you've ever been to a baseball game, right? I, I've been to a baseball game. I remember one, one time I had a playoff, I had playoff tickets in San Francisco. My father-in-law blessed me with pay, playoff tickets. And I remember I was in the very last row on the very top level of the stadium. And these baseball players were just like little ants running around on the field, right? And I remember talking to my brother-in-law, look at those seats right behind home plate, right? Could you imagine? Like you could hear what the players are saying. You, you could see just the, the muscles on their forearms, right? You could hear the call of the umpire of ball and strike. You could hear that crack of the bat without delay because you're right there on top of the action. And I thought, wouldn't it be awesome if you could get near? I remember my mom has a story. One time she was sitting in the upper deck and what, you got some special gift like it was the, the Hebrew National Kosher hot dogs or something. They said, you want to come down? We're going to give you free seats. She got seats right down there at the bottom. I know about this, when you fly, if you're like me, I always choose economy, right? I want the cheapest seat I can get just to get to where I'm going. And if you're six foot one and 200 pounds like me, you're sitting squished in a little seat. And it's like if I'm flying across the country for five or six hours, I can't wait to get out of there. And I just look so down at those people sitting in first class. You jerks, man. Come on. Now, if you're sitting first class, I, it's okay. It's fine. But you know what that feeling is like. You're at the back of the plane next to that bathroom and it flushes every time right against your head as you're sitting in that back row right and those first class seats friends 
through the blood of Jesus, those who have been far have been brought to first class. We've been brought to the seats right behind home plate. We get first-hand view, and we get to be brought into the, the household of God. Why? By the gospel plus nothing else. You didn't have to pay that upgrade fee. Jesus paid it for you. You didn't have to pay that extra amount to get a better ticket to the seats behind home plate. Jesus paid it for you. Those who are far away have been brought near, have been brought near. Not only that, those who were far away, Jesus brought near, but, but though we were two, Jesus has made us one. Though we were two, Jesus made us one. It says right there in the text, in, in verse uh, 14, it says, he himself, Jesus, it's emphatic. Jesus himself, he didn't give us peace. He didn't make peace available. It says there, Paul writes, he himself is our peace. You can't take it away because you can't take Jesus away. He's not in the tomb any longer. He's alive and he says, as much as I am alive, your peace is alive because I am your peace. I'm your peace with God, but I'm your peace with one another. What does that peace look like then? It's made two one. Verse 14, he himself is our peace who's made us both one. Well, why were we two to begin with? Well, he says, he's broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He's made us one. He's broken down the dividing wall of hostility. Friends, back in this time, in the day that Paul writes this to Ephesus, you've got to understand that the law wasn't hostile, but Jews treated Gentiles with hostility because what they believed about the law. Now, that doesn't mean every Jew, but overall, the Jewish perspective was this. The Gentiles are uncircumcised. They're unclean dogs. They have a different diet. They eat unclean animals. We can't allow our daughters to marry their sons and we can't give their daughters to our sons because it would make our, our families unclean. No intermarriage. They were unclean people because they did unclean things and because they weren't, clean by, because they weren't called by God to be clean. And so they used the law not as a way to shine the light of the goodness of God, to say God can make you clean, but actually to look down on Gentiles and rub it in their faces that they were unclean. And in return, you'd imagine the Gentiles kind of took exception to that, right? You self-righteous jerks, right? And so there was this hostility between Jews and Gentiles that was created because of the divisions that were there because of the law. There was hostility. So what did Jesus do? Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to fulfill the law and I'm going to remove that as a barrier. You don't have to come to God any longer by observing the law, by being circumcised, by be eating kosher. No, you could come to God through faith in Jesus alone, whether you're Jew or Gentile, that's the only way. And so Jesus abolishes the law and he makes one man out of the two. He brings peace when there was hostility. Friends, this is beautiful news. You are brought in. You don't have to be treated with hostility, and you don't have to treat anyone else with hostility. Why? Because Jesus is our peace. He takes those that were at one time two, the law that separated them, and he abolished it so that now God looks down and he doesn't see Jew and Gentile. All those, those distinctions are still there. Now what he sees is one new humanity in the perfect man who is Jesus Christ. Jesus reconciled us 
to the Father through the gospel plus nothing. The gospel plus nothing. He takes two and he makes us one. That's why when you look back at at Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, right? What does the angel say to the shepherds in the field? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, peace. Friends, how much violence do you see all the time? We've been seeing it for 15 months in Ukraine, haven't we? It's been so sad to see the destruction and the chaos that's there. But we don't have to just turn on the news to look about Ukraine. We can see it on our very streets. We can see it in our cities. I just saw a report in D.C. This recently. We've already surpassed the, 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 the rate of murders from last year in, in D.C. We see violence anywhere, everywhere. But the gospel of Jesus plus nothing says, I come to give you peace. I come to give you peace. That's what God longs for here in this community, in our community. Thirdly, it says this, we were strangers, but Jesus made us family. I love this. We were strangers, but Jesus made us family. Look again at verse 18. It says this, for through him, through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. You see, we believe in one God, yet three persons, and all three persons are involved in rescuing you and bringing you peace and making you one and taking you from far and bringing you near and giving you access Perfect access through Christ in one spirit. We all have access to the Father. You have the rights through the gospel plus nothing. It says that we're fellow citizens with the saints. All the blessings of God's people in the Old Testament. Think Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Israel, David, Solomon. All of them, all the blessings that were promised are given to you through Messiah, through Christ. You are a fellow citizen. You're no longer an outsider. We, through Christ, are insiders now. And this is beautiful. It says not only fellow citizens, but members of of the household of God. Members of the household of God. N- not resident aliens, family. Family, that's the word for household here. Think about your household. It's the people who live at your address. And, and many of us are blood-related, but those that are adopted are considered family, right? That's how God looks at you through Jesus. You're no longer Gentile, you're family. Family. That's how he treats you with all the the privileges that come with a family. Think about the privileges of being in a family. You get to sit down at the table and enjoy fellowship and meals as a family. You get to have a key to the house so that you could come in and go out whenever you please because you're family. For my kids, I think they appreciate being in the family because they can go into the kitchen and open the pantry or the refrigerator anytime anytime they want because they're family. There's Judah, right? They're family. You're family. You are family in Christ. And we're being built in this beautiful dwelling place for God. Think the holy of holies. The place where only the priest could go once a year. He says, I'm building you into that household, into that family, into that place where I'm deciding to put my dwelling. 
my kids, I, I've told them before, when we've gone to visit grandparents at a grandparent's house, if they, if they know we're coming, like I don't just barge in just unannounced, but if they know we're coming, they, they kind of walk up to the door, especially when they were little, when they go over to grandma and papa's house or to grammy's house or something like that, they'd walk up to the door and they'd kind of go, they'd walk up and they'd wait for me. And I'd say, you don't have to wait. You're a grandchild. You're family. You have the rights and the privilege. You just open that door. You just walk right in. They're expecting you. Your family, you have that. Because they know when you go up to a neighbor's house or, or somebody else's house, an acquaintance or even a close friend, the courteous thing to do is knock, but not when you're family. You just walk right in. And that's what God is saying. Through Christ, we have the privilege of being in the family and in the household of God. You've got that privilege. You've got that access. You've got that right. Not because you're good in and of yourself. Neither am I. But because I have the righteousness of Jesus clothing me. And when he comes in and he sees me, he says, Ah, Matthew, guess who I see in you? I see my son in you. Come on in, son. Enjoy a seat at the table. That's what he says to you if you're in Christ. The gospel plus nothing makes us one. We were far, but Jesus has brought us near. We were two, but Jesus has made us one. We were strangers, but Jesus has made us family. So what do we do to protect this truth here in this household? What were the Ephesians called to do? Chapter four, verses one through three, what do we do? Since the gospel plus nothing makes us one, what do we do about it? Protect our unity. Protect it. Cherish it. Love it. Don't let anything else come into the equation to add to the gospel to start creating divisions. Well, maybe it's the gospel plus you really got to be smart. It's the gospel plus you really have to be wealthy. It's the gospel plus I would prefer it if you had the same skin color as me. It's the gospel plus I wish you would learn English a little bit better so that I could understand you so that you could really be one of us. No, it's the gospel plus nothing. And Paul says, therefore, because this is hard work, you need to protect the unities through several things. Humility. I love this definition of humility. It's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. Counting others as more significant than yourself. It's, it's gentleness. It's treating each other in such a way that says, even if you rub me the wrong way, I'm going to return gentleness to you. It's patience. Sometimes our efficiency here, especially in Northern Virginia, we love efficient systems, don't we? I love efficient systems. But sometimes efficiency can get in the way of effectiveness. Sometimes efficiency can even be an enemy to effectiveness because what it does, it could shut people out who are maybe just taking some time to come along with us, having patience and bearing with one another bearing with one another. The onus is on you and it's on me to bear with one another. Why? So that we may be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Because the gospel plus nothing makes us one. You see, as Dr. King said, 11 o'clock or in our case, 10 o'clock, that hour shouldn't be the most segregated hour in America. In fact, I believe for our church it could be the most united hour that we experience all week. I hope that's your desire. That's my desire too. That's, that's, that's what we want to take some time right now. We want to discuss. I'm going to invite a couple of friends up, Biniam and Happy. They're going to come up right now, a couple of precious people in our church, a brother and sister. We want to talk to you, what does this mean for Monday? Because uh, we actually spent about 
oh gosh, it was about two and a half hours, guys, and Binion was so kind, he, he made some traditional Ethiopian food for us. It was delicious. It was the bomb. I'm going to put that out there, and he might uh, invite you over, or maybe if you invite yourself over it. I don't know if he'll be too happy about that, but you should. You should enjoy some of that food. But we talked for a while. We, we just, I just wanted to hear from them. What's been your experience here coming from uh, cultures and, 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 and countries outside the U.S. here to join us here in, in our fellowship to be a part of this? Because we really believe that the gospel plus not, nothing should make us one, right? Amen? Why don't you give them a round of applause right now and welcome them? They're showing a lot of courage right now to come up here and to uh, come before you and just talk about their experiences a little bit. And so right now, I'd love for both of you just to kind of introduce yourselves, just share with us uh, your, your background and, and country of origin and language of origin and help us get to know you a little bit. Go ahead. Um, I'm happy. People call me happy. So <clears throat> I come from Mongolia about seven years ago, and I speak Mongolian good. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing pretty good with English, too, Happy. Oh, so Happy, how, how long have you, did you say that, how long you've been in the United yeah, States? It will be about seven years. About in, seven uh, years. End of October. Yeah. Okay, how long have you been with us at Fairfax Bible Church? I know it's um, before I came. Seven years. Seven years. Almost seven years, yeah. Seven years. Since she, I she already said that to you? Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Happy. All right. Go ahead, Biniam. Share with us, too. My name is Biniam. I'm from Ethiopia. I speak Amharic. That's my... Uh, Amharic? Amharic is okay. my language, yeah. I came here... Uh, to the States two years ago, and almost two years uh, in Fairfax Bible Church, yeah. All right, great. Well, let's get into some questions here to help us out some, uh, just, just to share. So what challenges have you experienced personally to acclimating to the Western Church in America? What are some challenges you faced? Either can go first, yeah. So uh, for me, English was the biggest one. So when I come to the church and uh, the Pastor Jeff uh, preaching, I might be understand maybe 10, 20 percent. Mm -hmm. Sometimes even I come out only one sentence. Mm -hmm. And then small group in that time, uh, they follow up the sermon. So we talk about that. That's really helped mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. But as you know, if I come out one sentence, that's going to be hard to, to, to participate in the conversation. So even in a small group conversation, I'm just kind of the follow-up, the 50% of conversation. I'm kind of out. So, um, and then uh, I was in the Matt Rainbow's small group, and then as we all know, Matt being Matt, he would never left out someone invisible. So he would ask times to times, what do you think, Happy? Mm -hmm. So there's a problem is coming for me. Like if I am out, if I'm not following the conversation, if I'm following the conversation, it's fine. I will say like, oh yeah, da -da -da. And if I'm not following the conversation, so I'm, I have to say something, right? So I will say something I noticed I am out. <laughs> I'm not following the conversation. I'm saying something totally different. And then that's bring me super embarrassment. Mm. So I feel like, how on the earth I think I can answer the question I didn't understand. Mm. Mm. And then, but Mid has never put me in embarrassment. He mm. will guide it back in the track. <laughs> but I feel so embarrassed. Mm. So that's why in a small group meeting is I really want to attend. But in meantime, I really don't want to attend. Mm. And then when I'm heading to a small group meeting, I pray, God, please, please, don't let me find the parking spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So you, you, you were praying to have an excuse so that you could turn oh, around yeah, and go home. Oh, yeah, so if that has no parking, I would say that, yeah, I Matt, tried do they do that best. a lot for your small yeah. group? Please let it be no parking. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, sometimes I do it on purpose because when I'm coming certain parkings, but there has a spot, yeah, mm-hmm. and I just drove around, okay. coming back. Now good to go All because right. someone's parked there. Got you. <laughs> yeah, for me also, uh, language was... Uh, uh, one of the issues. Um, I didn't know if people understand what I'm saying. Um, I thought I, I know English, and we, we are taught uh, after second after uh, uh, secondary education, it's uh, all in English, but people do not understand what I'm saying because of my accent. Mm. And uh, so that was, and also I thought I know my, my Bible in English, so I cannot quote any of my verses in English. So I have to make a translation, and it's a lot of work. Sometimes I don't enjoy the conversation uh, because I'm, uh, it's a lot of work for me. So th- that was a, the biggest thing. But uh, when we came, there was also... Um, I, I didn't have a driving license, um, so my, and my wife was not uh, going to small group because of COVID. there was a COVID surge two years ago. Uh, so um, transportation also is another issue to small group. Uh, I can walk here, but uh, to go to small group, um, yeah, those were the issues. Yeah, you, you also mentioned something the other day that I thought was really, really profound. So cu- culturally, from your perspective, like openness and transparency, especially when you think about the kind of openness that we seek in like a small group setting. You know, we break out often in our small groups into times of prayer for one another. And sometimes it, we, we, we get a little bit vulnerable. But you said that that was a bit of a challenge yes, too. Yes. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, um, um, in my culture, it's, uh, we shy away to ask what we want. So if you ask me like, if, uh, do you want to eat? I would say no. Uh, and then uh, you asked me second time, third time, and then I see that in a, in a, uh, we're uh, similar with a lot of other cultures here too. Uh, so, uh, but here, you know, like if you say no, you, it's no, like, it's not like that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's, uh, and in a small group also, uh, we, we don't go the, uh, I mean, the openness in a small group is very healthy and I like it here. Uh, but we don't do that in back home. We we just discuss um, roughly and not. Um, you might share for a friend or for a pastor um, personally. You, you confess like that, but uh, not in a in a group setting. So that was also a new thing. Yeah. But I like it now. It's difficult so for the transition, but I like it. And it t- it took time to to learn that. Oh right? yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. How about for you, Happy? You you kind of mentioned the same thing a little bit too. Just kind of this. I don't, I don't want to misrepresent the Mongolian perspective on, like, strength and weakness, but you were mentioning that, too. Yeah, so hospitality in Mongolia means, like, if you are knowing I'm coming to your house, like, you give me the tea. That's without question. And then prepare the meal. Mm-hmm. It should be because mm-hmm. you know I'm coming. Even I'm not the Dorian come in, and then they serve the tea first, and then meal followed, at least some snacks. But in America, not. <laughs> so I go to home like so many times, empty stomach from the menus. <laughs> because it's not your culture. I know I wear I'm in a different place, but it feels like awkward. And in, if, in Mongolia, if someone asks, do you want to drink tea? That's like offensive thing. It's, uh, they would say, 
better to throw away instead of asking. So you should serve the tea first without asking. But he has asked the question, like, oh, do you want to drink some tea? And yeah. then I like, um, what did I offend you, right? <laughs> so something like that. Those are things that's first very different, mm -hmm. but I know I'm in a different place, so yeah. I have some idea, but I still like, okay, I don't have to offend this. It's not their culture. <laughs> <laughs> One final thing. I know you also mentioned the day about, about time. Uh, we tend to be, we try to be pretty punctual around here. Was that, was that a stretch for you both? Oh, Your yes. Uh, you know African time. So African time? <laughs> <laughs> so we come always late to... Uh, we, uh, we were like on the first few months, we come always late to the small group and uh, even here at church. So uh, we always fight like we have to be at this time and it was very difficult to be on time. So I know for uh, in my small group, some people could not even comprehend this one. Like, how could people be late? <laughs> so, like, that is, uh, that is, I think, one of the key things to be patient. Uh, that people have to, be, uh, has to adjust uh, in the meantime, but we have to be patient with them. So that was a huge problem for us, yeah. yeah. And um, for, for Ethiopian churches, even in the States, um, yeah, um, if it starts at, at, at 10, we, um, we will start like 30 minutes later or even more sometimes, and it's okay. So, <laughs> and um, sometimes like when we meet people and uh, they try to be on time on everything, it feels like uh, you're caring for your time and efficiency more than the person. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's, a big, that's a big realization right there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we have a, a two, uh, two time frame before afternoon after afternoon. So it could be any time before, <laughs> yeah, any time after. But he's like asking like, when are you coming? Like, I was like, probably before afternoon. And like, yeah, what time? Uh. <laughs> so I have to say some time. Or they will say like, oh, can you come uh, at 12? Like, OK. I did the same thing to you the other day. Yeah, so. Yeah, 12 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, if it's well, like seven years ago, it's. It shouldn't be 12. It should be before noon, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know we've got some folks here that are probably breaking out in a rash right now, thinking about <laughs> African time, Mongolian time. All right. So, uh, so that, that's great. Thanks for sharing those challenges. But then we want to move into, though, you're still here. Praise God. We're so glad. We love you. Your, fa your family, as Ephesians 2 says, you're part of the household. I'm a part of that the same way through Jesus. And so I'd like to know, though, in, in spite of those challenges, what's kept you here at Fairfax Bible Church? And, and maybe as you answer that, like maybe some people that have helped you along the way, it's kept you here. Um, can I say four names? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So first of all, um, uh, speaking in English is very difficult, and on the phone is hard. Mm. Like seventy percent out of them, I'm out okay. because I can't see the person. So when I'm on the with you, I can't see the body language and then like something like that. I have some idea what's going on there. But on the phone, I have no idea. And then other person has no idea. So it's kind of that they speak in their language, mm -hmm. they speak, but I don't understand. So on the phone, it's for me like in first two years was like, when I saw the numbers, I was just like, oh, I need to go to the restroom, right? <laughs> and then Jeff, Pastor Jeff will call me. Mm -hmm. So I can't, 
I can't ignore, right? The church pastor is calling you, so I That's pick a good it up. Thing. Don't yes. ignore the pastor. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't ignore that. So I, I pick it up, and then surprisingly, he speaks slower that I can understand. And then if something important thing, he would rephrase it again, mm -hmm. so he would make sure I am following him. Mm -hmm. So uh, right after I talked to him, like I missed the church a couple of the days, so I'm kind of the after of the church, so that's the, the call come from. So, And then he's, uh, after he talked to me on the phone, I feel so encouraged. Oh, I understand Jeff on the phone, on the mm -hmm. phone. So I might be understanding him on the, on the church. So I came to church. And then that was a really good trick, so I'm still not really fully understand. So anyways, that is re bring me back to the church again. Yeah. So when I'm passing. So about small group, it's the same reason I'm, I'm just trying to avoid. But Christy Murphy, and I mean, the, sorry, Christy Rambo. Christy Rambo, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and then she would text me innocent text. Like asking, like, oh, you was mentioned something. How are you doing? And what was about that one and thing? She never mentioned like I missed the small group, like mm -hmm. mom for mm -hmm. some some so. So as a good Mongolian, I shouldn't ignore if someone is caring. I should go to small group mm -hmm. after that text, right? So that is keeping me bring back to small group. Mm -hmm. And another one is some, some like two years later, I moved and blah, blah, blah. So many things happened, and then I have to change my small group. And then uh, on Wednesday, I joined the Chris Murphy small group. And in that time, the Westenburg's family is hosting. So Joyce is Asian. Mm. So her hosting is, speaks to me. Mm. I am welcomed you. I am respected you. I am not saying others didn't do it because it's culture is different. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if Joyce knew it, but times to times when I'm struggling with the question, she would rephrase the question mm -hmm. and then repeat the one after. So I'm kind of the tracking, oh, they're talking this one here. Beautiful. And then I'm able to involve the conversation. So that's bringing me back. Yeah, and then this is the not last person, but it's in, uh, influenced me a lot. So I grew up with my grandfather, so he raised me as a strong as like a man, mm. as he could. So I am not uh, someone who could say I can't or I don't. So like mentally, I am super strong. I have to be strong because of the uh, so many things. So. Um, Katie Murphy, so somehow, some way, she knew I have a problem inside. Mm. So she will come to me and then I ask, like, hey, happy, what's going on? And then I will say, yeah, I'm good. Mm. Yes. And then she will say, like, I don't know, something is off, and do you mm. want to talk? And then, like, um, yes, in the back in Mongolia, some fire. So I have to say something, right? Because they have something, excuse should be there. And that's not really related to me. And then I know she knew uh, it's not true. And then I know she didn't believe me too, but still I would say, yeah. 
And then she tried to uh, come with the joys a couple of times, and she came by herself a couple of times, and all the time saying, like, yeah, you can talk to me, mm. and then you can say it. But as a strong person I am, I would never say something like that. And inside of me is screaming at me, like, yes, you need a help. You're in the trouble, wow. and you need to grab that hand, but yeah. I can't express it. It's not, not my, my yeah. how I raised, and I can't say it. But one thing is very comforting is I know if I break my wall, I know she will be waiting for me yeah. there, and wow. she will be support me. And then people is doing a small thing here and there, and those are things bring me back to church. Yeah. And then I can call, this is my home. Mm -hmm. So this is my home, that's Amen. why I can't, I can't be not, I can't be strong, so mm -hmm. I can't be weakness, I can embrace my weakness here. Yeah, yeah. praise God. <laughs> Binium, you wanna share what's kept you here, brother? Yeah, um, what kept me here, um, when we come, uh, the first thing we were looking for was uh, a healthy church. So that's still what kept me. Uh, well, that's not different for me, but yeah, that's, that's the main thing. But uh, the first Sunday uh, greeting was awesome, and it was impressive for me. Mm. Um, when I come, I didn't know where the auditorium was, and Adrian showed me uh, the auditorium, and uh, there were people from worship team here, uh, so everyone introduced themselves. It was very friendly, and uh, Dev Kelly was there, and he, he shared about small group experiences here, and he took my number. So he followed up the next day, and, uh, uh, and then he put me in contact with Pastor Hank. So Hank came on the next Tuesday, he invited me lunch, and uh, uh, he took me to a small group. So he gave me a ride, and uh, it was, it was uh, so the, the, first, the first Sunday experience was, uh, we went to other two churches, and no one even greeted us. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was impressive, and I see that for other people too, and it is very good, and thank you guys, you guys for, for that. Mm -hmm. The other one is a small group. Our small group is very, uh, very accommodative, and uh, people were very uh, generous. Uh, we couldn't even find furniture when we come in because of COVID, and uh, a lot of people uh, shared the furnitures in Mark Westernberg family also, um, and I also helped by uh, transportation. That was that was uh, awesome. So that that's also something that uh, that could help. Uh, so people are very understanding and giving time, and yeah. Praise God. Not perfect, I'm sure. Yeah, no. we, we're just looking for the hulls, not the perfection. There you go, there you go, healthy, not perfect. <laughs> Praise God for that. I, and um, I recognize both of you have been a part of a Mongolian community here, a church, and an Ethiopian church. We're so glad that you're here. Not that those are bad, those are great, but we love that we've got family here uh, and that you're a part of our family. So last question, and, and, and briefly, but I, I'd like to hear from you, and we all would. Uh, what would you like us to know about how we can best welcome people from other cultures and backgrounds? Yeah, um, maybe I have to mention one other thing. Uh, um, one day um, I met Kristen and uh, she asked me about my family and she knows them by name. Mm. And I didn't know that we have met before even. <clears throat> like I don't remember her name and I don't remember we've met before. And she even asked me like how my family in Ethiopia was because there was a conflict in Ethiopia. Right. I was impressed, and uh, yeah, that was, 
Um, so it's, uh, the first thing is like um, um, giving time to understand uh, the context and the, um, where the, the newcomers are is a uh, um, huge thing because it, this is a very um, uh, busy culture, so uh, it, it's hard to, and also people, I think people are, I'm not, I, I might be wrong, but uh, people are very much, too much careful not to uh, cross boundaries and uh, not to make mistakes. I think it's better to make mistakes and correct them mm. uh, than, especially for new, uh, for new uh, commerce like me, uh, it's better to err on the other side than uh, being careful and uh, shy away. Those are the two things. That's a really good word. Thank you. Yeah. Happy? So for me, in Asian, it's very close people. It's they not really experience their feelings or their needs, especially. And uh, if you ask one time, that's it. Uh, they not say it, maybe a couple times. But mostly we are open for when I feel you are close to me. And then I, now I can share it, but not the stranger. So probably uh, if someone has come from the other country mm -hmm. and then be, be aware with they not really speaking in English. Yeah. They might be speaking English, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That has some problems, so probably like slow down or yeah. something. But I didn't have a problem with the church entire mm -hmm. time, and they know I'm not uh, English speaker, so they, uh, they have some good feelings, but still sometimes. And then my problem was I can't say, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. was the really huge mm -hmm. problem. Mm -hmm. I can't say, like, wow. my English is poor. That's mm -hmm. the, the proud thing, yeah. I could say one time, but not repeated this. Yeah. Same so, here, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that could be just like, be aware of that one. Yeah. And then the, uh, obviously I'm come to the different country I am aware of. That has a lot of differences. Yeah. But p people who live in here and then they don't have ever off, there's some differences. Yeah. Because, uh, like, if I'm in Mongolia, I wouldn't think about, like, oh, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm. No, mm. I'm aware. He, he would be speaking Mongolian. He understands what I'm right, saying. Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Well, I want to invite you all to stand. We're going to have the worship team come up. We're going to close our time together. But I think what we've heard from our, our brother and sister here. Well, we've heard them share about how you've made them feel welcome and how we could take new steps. I think it really reflects what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and just reflect on this for a moment and evaluate for yourself, how are you doing in these as we seek to live as one and not two, three, four, but one in Christ? He says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility, with all gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love and eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So I think it's healthy for us today to say we believe the gospel plus nothing makes us one. And we're gonna take new steps as a church family to be patient, to demonstrate love and gentleness and humility to even bear with one another at times where it's tough and that we would be energized and enthusiastic and zealous to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Our Father, thank you so much that through the blood of Christ, you've taken those who were once enemies and you brought them together because Jesus himself is our peace. You've taken strangers and outsiders 
I was one of those strangers and outsiders outside the family of God, and you've brought me in, and you've brought us in through the gospel of Jesus plus nothing. Would you make us a church that's walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called? Make us a humble people, a patient people, a people who are willing to bear with one another, who are gentle with one another, and make us eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit because the gospel plus nothing makes us one. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.